The Free For All Roundtable. Round two. Jerry Agar in for John Moore today and on the round table today. Robert Turner is here, News Talk 1010 Assistant Program Director. Lindsay Broadhead, Senior Vice President of the Toronto Region Board of Trade and former Toronto homicide detective and crime analyst for us, Mark Mendelson. Good morning to you all. Elf on the shelf around the house, Robert, with the little kids. Do you do, you do that? Uh, no, uh, we don't. Uh, we do celebrate Christmas, but my wife Life's Jewish, uh, yeah. so we have a mention bench on, on the bench. We have a mention on a bench, but do? uh, it doesn't get pulled out every year. You know, uh, <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, I would have no involvement with it anyway. My understanding is the elf does his own thing, yeah, uh, in preparation for the jolly old elf to arrive and with the presents. But uh, I do know some parents really don't like it. Yeah, Lindsay. Apparently, some people think, well, you can't put that. That it's spying on the kids and it's softening the kids to some sort of government uh, surveillance nation. I think sounds a little hyperbolic to me. Extreme parenting. No, I've got two six-year-olds, and uh, I have dodged the elf on the shelf um, whole industry, thankfully. It seems like a lot of work. But, I mean, the entire Christmas narrative, the Santa narrative, I should say, not the Christmas narrative, the Santa narrative is that someone's watching. Yeah. Um, Like, that's – and when you look into the the Dutch stories, um, which every year I read and I kind of laugh that these poor children were living in fear being put in uh, Santa's bag and taken away, uh, you know, far worse than just having a, a lump of coal left with them. So, I, you know, I think parents need to relax in general, have fun with it. Um, but, you know, you, you, you teach your children the things you teach. They, they don't uh, need to fear this little elf. Wait a minute. The legend was that if you weren't good, Santa would put you in the bag and take you away? Yeah, you guys wow. have to read the the Dutch version um, is uh, just extreme um, yeah. and and highly racist actually. <laughs> okay, uh, as well. But uh, yeah, if you're if you're poorly behaved, uh, Santa will come and uh, put you in a sack. Okay. Uh, well, Mark. Strange. Yes, he's like the police. <laughs> <laughs> Not Mark. No. Not like Mark. Uh, well, Mark, your kid's a little old for this, I guess. My kids are old for this, but I have five of them, and I can tell you that I have 24-7 surveillance in my house. Uh, we, don't hide, we don't hide elves anywhere in the house. My kids hide beer. And uh, <laughs> this is how I keep track of things. But, you know, you've you got to wonder how far do we have to go for, to be concerned about, you know, triggering kids w- with the elf. I mean, I, it, talk about helicopter parenting. Uh, you know, this just sort of takes it to me, uh, you know, to, to a different level. Um, yeah. You know, it's fun. let the kids have fun. It's a couple of weeks in, in December. And it, really, it's not like nanny cams are hanging all over the place. It's an elf. Like, yeah. Live with it. All right. So um, foreign interference in the election here in Canada, the most Trudeau will say about it is it didn't change past election results. He's saying, calm down, don't worry about it. And Lindsay, what I find curious is Pierre Polyev is going after the prime minister to basically say yes or no. Did we have foreign interference in an election in Canada? And as he so often does, Trudeau gives an answer, but he's dancing around the real question that he was asked. And I don't understand why, because if he says, uh, well, we think there's enough evidence to indicate there might have been and we're looking into it, uh, nobody blames Trudeau for that. I don't know why he's dissembling the way he does. No, it's interesting. I mean, they needed more elves on the shelves, clearly, but uh, <laughs> this was happening so we could understand what was what was going on. But the um, yeah, he 
<laughs> this is also one of those issues where uh, I think it's important for Canadians to know. Um, I appreciate, um, and I think Canadians in general appreciate when there's a security item that can't be talked to in detail. But I think there's a way of saying that um, without uh, going into um, the specifics. Uh, in this case, when when uh, elected officials are part of the story, um, it's important to know and have confidence that our democracy is working. And, and his answers are very evasive. Um, so I think Polyev is right to push. Um, but at the same time, you know, we know, again, we don't expect there to be a clear answer. There just has to be a better answer than the one we're being given. Yeah. And if the answer is we're investigating it, you're going to have to wait until we figure out what the implications are. I mean, it's a national security issue. Canadians are Absolutely. sophisticated enough and smart enough to understand that they don't need to see everything up front about this right away. But I think they need to know that it's being looked at and that at some point we will have a report saying what happened. Or didn't. Well, Mark, my concern in part here is that when you don't give answers, you leave an open space, a vacuum for all kinds of conspiracy theories to come in. Well, he's just running interference for China, that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that he is. I just think he's got so practiced at not answering questions, he just reflexively doesn't. Yeah, you know, we used to walk out of interviews with homicide suspects and, you know, they said whatever, A, B, and C. And, you know, the word we, the phrase we'd always use at the end was, well, he didn't say he didn't do it. Uh, and, this is what, and this is what we're getting here. We're, you know, we're dancing on the head of a pin. He said, no, you know, first he said, I knew nothing about any CSIS reports or RCMP reports or anything else. Now he's saying, no, uh, there was any. Uh, and if there was, it didn't have an appreciable difference in the outcome of the election. But it's the integrity of our process and our election that, that is, you know, sacrosanct in this country. And, and, and I, I think Robert's right. By not answering the question, he just creates more questions. If it's being investigated, let's deal with it and admit it that it's being looked at and, and wait for the answers to come. But to sort of hedge your bet, you know, by speaking out of both sides of the mouth does not give you know, it does not bring confidence to me in terms of our election integrity. Ontario's Auditor General sent undercover agents into casinos to see whether or not the casinos would catch people apparently looking to launder money. It was an undercover kind of sting operation. I don't think that the casinos were in danger of being shut down or anything. Robert, do you have a problem with the Auditor General doing this? No, I think the Auditor General was right to do it, and I'm glad that the system seems to have worked because they, did, they were able to... to f stop these you know what the behavior they were engaged in is what we're trying to stop the system seems to have worked so seems like a good news story all the way around i'm not really sure what the controversy is Lindsay, agreed um i've had clients in the uh, the gaming industry and uh, the regulations are really really tight um so i'm glad that they test it as robert said uh you know it, it gives me more faith that the system's systems working um it's the the most boring uh of, of news stories in some ways but i'm i'm happy to know that it's working okay well mark as a as a police officer i'm sure that many times during your career you had to uh walk that line what's a sting operation what's a an entrapment situation and what's legitimate law enforcement well i, I think this is this is a fair test I, i'm going to dance on the head of the pin that i was talking about earlier i don't think the auditor general's office should have been conducting this type of inquiry certainly the opp have a very large presence in the gaming industry in this province they do these what we often call penetration tests all the time so aside from the fact that i don't think the auditor general should have been involved in it the other side of the coin is that the process that they followed worked and it showed 
that the protocols and the policies that are in place right now are effective because these three secret shoppers who were trying to clean money were all caught in their first attempt. And I think that that bodes well. I mean, we've seen documentaries and other news programs in Canada where we've seen people in British Columbia walk into casinos with literally hockey bags full of cash and clean them. We don't have that problem in Ontario. And it may, maybe it's because we're doing these penetration tests. All right. Now, uh, Ford is to appeal after the court strikes down the provincial bill limiting public sector wages. They were limited to 1%. We've had a couple of lawyers say on the show through the course of the morning that this will undoubtedly be appealed and uh, may, in fact, ultimately be won by the government. Lindsay, I had wondered, well, why have it just negotiate tough? And what Gavin Tai told me, one of the lawyers, is, okay, but if you have the legislation in place, then uh, it, it limits the ability to strike. Whereas if you're just negotiating tough, they could still strike. So what's your feeling on all this? I, I, I don't, I, I think the union should be allowed to negotiate. Um, I believe in the bargaining process. Um, we just saw uh, a round of bargaining when one party went in with a, a, an you know, extraordinary ask of, uh, what was it, 11.7%. Um, per it, year, it, cumulative. Right. It became laughable. Um, now, the the side of the other side of that is, did they get more in the end because they came in with such an outrageous ask? I don't know. Um, but I think uh, there is a way to negotiate, negotiate hard, as you said, um, uh, and ensure that this doesn't happen. I also think that we've seen a few rounds where the public jury um, is, and the, the pressures coming from the public in general, um, sing loud, right? So the notion of striking only happens when there's public backing. Um, and so that's at play too. Um, it, it, you should negotiate. I don't know what the solution is to this, but it seems to me that the public sector bargaining process is flawed in that we've seen governments for decades have problems with trying to negotiate, overstepping, being ruled down by courts, having problems. Bob Ray wasn't exactly popular with the social contract days, that right-wing fascist that he is. Uh, you had Dalton McGinty impose a contract on teachers because he couldn't figure out how to bargain tough with them because the problem is, in a private sector situation, the, government, the, the company can decide, okay, I guess we're going to shut things down until we can work this out. And there's no app appetite to shut down government services for weeks on end because we kind of need them. If you make them essential, there are cost implications there too. But the current system we have seems flawed when we continue to have these problems. So I don't know if the answer is to go essential service because arbitration has downfalls with it in that, you know, the government always kind of has the ability to raise more revenue. Well, yes, but you know when we talk about the constitutional right to um, to negotiate and bargain, um, what's the constitutional right, Mark, of me to have, be able to say, you know what, I'm tapped out tax wise? Well, it's a very fair question, and I think the uh, his honor in, in his judgment made comment that uh, all the money that the, the provincial government is now not getting in because of the, the waiver of Baltag and, and 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 license plate fees would more than cover all of these negotiations that were going to take place. But at the end of the day now, the government's going to look at this and they're going to see if uh, if, if there is an error in law, because that's what's required to appeal. You just can't appeal because you don't like the decision. There has to be an error in law. So they're going to go through that. And I'm quite, I'm quite sure they're going to try and get this thing reviewed again uh, by, you know, by, by the Court of Appeal. 
Uh, but at the end of the day, has it taken away all, all these unions and, and who knows what else later on, uh, any other organization, the ability to actually sit down and negotiate? Uh, what, we yeah. have to wait and see how this plays out. Well, what they might claim is the error in law is, as Gavin Ty pointed out to us earlier this morning, we had uh, we have other provinces that have done this, and the courts found it to be constitutional. So there's a decision that certainly needs to be made. Lindsay Broadhead, um, Mark Mendelson, and Robert Turner, thanks very much. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845, weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.